0: Merry Christmas. Let's just get right to it. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. It's a great story i don't think this will go let's just i think it's that's it what do you no? okay it's interesting when we kind of look at this story historically because nice try good thanks for good good effort um mary had up until this time been living in the wrong place for the messiah's birth I'm sorry, my eyes are not that um, good. Let me come over here. Sorry, Jordan. No, it's good. I got it. Okay. See, Genesis told us that the Savior was going to come from the line, line of Abraham, a descendant of Isaac and Jacob, a member of the tribe of Judah. About 700 years before we hit this story, Isaiah told us he'd specifically be from the line of David and that his mother would be a virgin. Around the same time as Isaiah, his contemporary Micah told us that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So just a little longer stay in Nazareth and the prophecy would have failed. But obviously with no intention to fulfill the prophecy on Mary's part, certainly, much less of Caesar Augustus, who had no part in it really, except for God's sovereignty. Mary's brought from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And just in the nick of time, Jesus is born in Bethlehem. I love it because he came to us in the right line and in the right place. Just like prophecy told us to look for him and it's so dear to me that this is sort of the historic mooring of our faith it's so precious that we have this that we can nail down because from his very first breath we already know that we have a savior that is true and that is trustworthy and who is divine because jesus came exactly like god said he would and exactly where he would So right away, we see here, God is quietly at work. Right here in this stable, it has all begun because the promise is now on the ground. So we know that he came and where and through whom he came, which for me is so good for my mind. It's so good that I can look back at the historic scriptures and see that God's word is true. But it is how Jesus came that gives me more hope and more joy than I even know how to talk about. Because it is so good for my heart. So we start here. And I want to look at verse 11 again. And this is what we see. This is when the angel first comes to the shepherds. I mean, this is it. This is the announcement. There's not a wasted word here. This isn't careless. They're not leaving out some important parts. This is monumental. And this is what the angel says. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. So we stop right there because in that first touch, the major offices of Jesus are confessed in one sentence. We find out right away, we have a Savior, we have a Lord, and we have a Christ. So in other words, what God has delivered to us is a deliverer, a master, and an anointed king. And so this is pretty much exactly what everyone was expecting out of the Messiah. That is essentially what they were looking for, a a political ruler uh, and and a military hero, a leader who was not going to be trifled with, right? Somebody like a powerful king who is finally going to take back the throne of Israel from Rome as they were currently under occupation. So yes, so far what the angel has said is spot on. It is exactly what people thought the Messiah was going to be. description nailed it nailed the hope of israel town of david check savior check king check rescue check and then we get to verse 12 here the next sentence out of the angel's mouth and it's like a record scratch because the very next sentence he says this will be a sign to you you will find a baby wrapped in cloths, and lying in a manger. We're conditioned to the story. We've heard it a lot. To them, this was an unbelievable turn of events. Can you imagine, as indescribable as it must have seemed, that here, the one who literally is coming with authority over salvation is going to spend his first night not in a palace where he belongs but in a stable among simple people people like these shepherds and born to the most ordinary common parents it's so confusing and shocking that most people never could really believe he was the one In fact, as we kind of look through the New Testament and then into just the archives of the church, most of Jesus' followers ended up being ordinary people who were just simple enough and humble enough and pure enough to believe in this kind of a Savior. In fact, the higher and the prouder and the more powerful people were, the less likely they were to believe in a savior like this. Jesus is just too humiliating. This whole beginning is almost embarrassing. So here we have this baby in a manger. And this is this is no Caesar that hits the scene. This is this is not a leader born to conquer and to terrify and to rule with an iron fist. This was the people's savior king of the poor and the simple who willingly laid his glory aside because he had all the glory there was he was so superior to every earthly ruler he had all the glory and he willingly set it aside so who could even imagine this spurgeon wrote this We might tremble to approach a throne, but we cannot fear approaching a manger. Even as an infant, by being laid in a manger, Jesus was set forth as the sinner's friend. In the manger, there he lies, unguarded from your touch and unshielded from your gaze. Bow the knee and kiss this son of God. Accept him as your savior, for he puts himself into that manger that you may approach him. The throne of Solomon might awe you, but the manger of the son of David must invite you. So this whole thing between verse 11 to verse 12, where we have the savior, the king coming to reign, but he's born in a manger. 11 and 12 just don't go together. And just in case we misread it, We move on to verse 13 and 14. So here we find out that our Savior's in a barn. And then just to make sure that the story's still on track, verse 13, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. This whole army of angels just explodes on the scene after the description of this poor baby in the manger as if to proclaim Yes, like, yes, this is it. This is the guy. This is the one. This is the place. This is the moment. So we have this high, low, eventually high. This is the rhythm of Jesus. High, low, eventually high. Come to find out that is going to be Jesus' style for the next 33 years on earth. We get this savior, high, that's a high station, who ends up eating and drinking with sinners so often that people said of him he was a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Low. We have this son of God, high, who welcomed children and valued women low we have this redeemer of the whole world high who touched and healed and loved lepers the lowest and then he said low things jesus said things like the kingdom of heaven belonged to the poor and the meek would inherit the earth and jesus blessed the merciful, and the pure in heart, and the peacemakers, and those who mourn. And surprisingly, for someone so high, so powerful, he called out the religious elite. But he called forward people like fishermen. He was born in a manger. And then he died on a cross between thieves. That is the Savior that rescued us. This just glorious high that reached down so low. And he reigns high forevermore. So when the angel said, listen, I bring you good news. And it's of great joy. And it's going to be for all the people. That's real. Because love has come. And we are saved. And just as precious. We are loved. I did a little writing this week. And I was writing about just jesus's love it's so scandalous it just has no standards at all it's so embarrassing and how far his love reaches and to whom it goes and i got this reply from a guy named jeff and he wrote this to me he said i'm a minister's kid who gave up Christianity for all the same reasons that most people give up Christianity? Ultimately, though, my deconversion started with the fact that the church seemed to have nothing to do with the person I fell in love with originally, Jesus. I fell in love with Jesus because he helped people, but now I don't know if he exists. But this writing moved me to tears because it reminded me of my long lost love. Sorry, I'm so grieved over it. I can barely handle it. So I don't know, I don't know how you came in here today or how you feel about Jesus, what your history with him is or isn't. But I want you to hear me say this tonight. Jesus Is everything we ever hoped for and more he loves us it's crazy and he came for us and the reach of his mercy it goes further than we can even ever imagine for ourselves and honestly further than we're even comfortable with for other people this high low savior he's for everyone like the angel said we cannot be bad enough we cannot be far enough we cannot be too broken for this jesus no one can be too broken for a savior who came in a manger so god made sure to send him like that so that we would get the point That this good news is really for all the people. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. And so like Spurgeon asks, which I love, I guess the only question that we are with tonight that that I'll leave you with is, do we have room for Christ? Do we have room for him? And here's what's so good about the story. Here's what's so amazing about a baby in a manger. None of us can say, I'm just not worthy of a savior. The manger was not worthy of a savior. None of us can say, but the room that I have in my heart, it's vile. The manger was vile. No one can say, this is not a good fit for a Christ. Because nor was the manger, yet there he was laid. I know some of us would say, listen, no one would believe Jesus in my heart. You don't understand. No one would buy it. You know what? Most people couldn't believe a Savior in a manger either. In fact, his only visitors were shepherds. And you can't say, my heart isn't ready. Because... The manger was an animal stall until the minute it housed the Messiah. So here we have this. It's not worthy. It's vile. It's despicable. It's not fit for a Christ. It's unbelievable. It's unprepared. Yet God chose the manger and he chooses us in the same way. The nativity story, it just shatters all of our defenses. Because this is how love came. There's not a thing we can do except just say, hallelujah. I could not even dream up a better savior. I know that there are so many things that conspire to keep us from welcoming him in from making room if that's you i don't know what it is it could have been other christians hi 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 i get it mercy oh help us lord if that's you we're sorry humans are sorry representatives of jesus but it does not mean that we do not have the best savior I don't know, it could be the church. The church can be a scary place. Maybe it's just a realistic working knowledge of the state of your own heart. And you're just kind of like, you know, it's like a stable up in here. There's no place for a savior. Or maybe you have thought of Jesus as a palace savior to be feared. When really I want you to know That he is just a manger savior to be treasured. But regardless, we can trust the angels. The angel who said, do not be afraid. Because this is good news of great joy. It's good. The news is good. The joy is real. And it is for everyone. Do not be afraid because love has come for you. And our hearts are filled with joy. Will you pray with me?